0: It's The Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, a special edition. The Astrology of Donna Summer featuring Jess Duggar. Along with a special preview of Honey Davenport's new album, Love is God. But first, thoughts on Yellow Jacket, Scream, Licorice Pizza, Spa Castle, Anti-Semitism, Hanya Yanagihara, and much, much more. Thanks for listening, babe. Mwah. Okay, hello angels. Welcome to the Capricornia finale, uh, which includes a groundbreaking dialogue on the legacy of Donna Summer with my friend Jess Dugger, and in the spirit of the Queen of Disco, uh, the the Leo Honey Davenport uh, previews her EP "Love Is God." We get a little blurb from her before the Jess Dugger. Uh, main portion about the EP, and then we're going to sample one of her songs at the end of the episode. Uh, please listen and enjoy. But before that, we have so much business to get to. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's exhausting. So, um, welcome. Let's just get into it. First of all, Licorice Pizza. I loved every minute of it. Melissa Rich and I. I mean, I just had a two weeks ago, like, God forbid I ever do this again, but I really took a day off and I got acupuncture. I went to the comic book store. Um, I went to my tea shop, uh, physical graffiti in the East Village. Shout out to the Israeli woman who will never remember my name. I spent $72 um, that I don't have. Uh, Went on sniffies. Melissa Rich uh, made me a tagine. We went to the Essex market. Um, by the way, the Essex Market, I- I've discovered on Sniffy's, is, is now a hub for, um, for DL Gay Sex. So good for them because Essex Market sucks. Okay, we went to the Essex Market, got our pava, and then we went to the Essex Regal and saw Licorice Pizza. We took two of the... Um, you know, disabilities only chairs and we sat back and we had the time of our lives. I want to say Alana Chaim and the Chaim sisters singing the Shabbat blessings in perfect unison and harmony. It's the stuff to make you proud to be Jewish and proud to be Israeli. The the emphasis on her nose and on her Jewish looks and on her power and fury, it, it just brought me so much joy and it... It was such a referendum on the um, on the Rachel Brosnahan hell in which we all live in. So I highly, it, it was nice to see a movie. Okay, can I just say that? And <clears throat> what Melissa and I talked about after was uh, the New Yorker. God, do you know how old I sound when I'm quoting the New Yorker? The New Yorker. I sound like my mom's friend Ray, who lives in Harlem and is a big Biden supporter. Do you know what I mean? Okay. But The New Yorker did have this incredible piece by Perul Segal uh, called The Case Against the Trauma Plot. And I loved it because it's about the over-reliance in current media on trauma to explain everything. Um, the It's about how you can't see a movie or watch a show or read a book where the characters are just characters without them having to explain some devastating backstory. And... When I saw the Krish Pizza, what I said to Melissa was, I was so delighted that I didn't need an explanation about why this 15-year-old boy was this way because his father left when he was eight. The characters just were themselves. And you know, that's also very Ferrante. You know, if you think about Elena Ferrante, we're, we're about to talk about The Lost Daughter, don't worry. But if you think about the work of Elena Ferrante, it's suffused in suffering and pain and violation. There is no... You don't need these one—you don't need these rudimentary explainers. My issue—one of my my issues—you know, I love Yellow Jackets, but one of my issues is I don't like the episodes where they do f- extra flashbacks. We have two timelines. We have the girls when they're 17 and the girls when they're 41. When they do the extra, well, when she was 9, this happened to her. No. Okay, Um, But the New Yorker piece does something great. I mean, I know we're all talking about how Hanya Yanagihara is back. Their profile of her is fantastic. But they do this great um, read of A Little Life that it brought me so much joy because, frankly, I think A Little Life succeeded in that I couldn't put it down and that I'm still thinking about it all these years later. But I do really resent it. And I think Hanya did that on purpose, which makes her a genius. So I, I this is not really. I actually like. I give her total credit because she knew how to manipulate a lot of faggots, but I love this quote. Trauma theory finds its exemplary novelistic incarnation in Hanya Yanagihara's A Little Life, which centers on one of the most accursed characters to ever darken a page. Jude, evidently named for the patron saint of lost causes, was abandoned as an infant. He endures, among other horrors, (laughs) rape by priests, forced prostitution, torture and attempted murder by a man who kidnaps him, battery and attempted murder by a lover, the amputation of both legs. He is a man of ambiguous race, without desires, near-mute where his history is concerned, post-sexual, post-racial, post-identity, post-past, as a friend teases him. The reader completes the list. Jude, the (laughs) post-traumatic. Trauma trumps all identities, evacuates personality, remakes it in its own image. The story is built on the care and service that Jude elicits from a circle of supporters who fight to protect him from his self-destructive ways. There are newborns envious of the devotion he inspires the loyalty can be mystifying for the reader who is conscripted to join in as a witness to jude's unending mortifications can we so easily invest in this walking chalk outline this vivify dsm entry with the trauma plot the logic goes evoke the wound and we will believe that a body a person has borne it so you know it's interesting that in my like uh, reads one camille paglia novel that i'm like Going around this way and obviously like I'm in year five of somatic therapy No one is as much of a Bessel van der Kolk girl than I am, but it's just really interesting to think about What if storytelling was just storytelling and not Exhausting and you know, I've talked about this a lot, but when when Ruby <clears throat> when Honey Boy, which is Shia LaBeouf's film, came out, you know, three years ago, Ruby saw it and she said to me, "You know, it's not really a movie. It's it's more of an Al-Anon testimonial." And that that's just something we all need to, I think, interrogate if that's okay to to say. Um, speaking of trauma, the new Scream. I saw it once. I'm quite pleased. I will be seeing it again and, and I'll get to get a little clearer on my thoughts, but I was really pleased. Um, I thought it was very clean, it was well written, and I thought that they like hit the marks. They really, really honored Sydney and Gale more so than they were in Scream 4. Um, I liked most of the new cast and really cared about them. I think Jenna Ortega really was good, and Jasmine Savoy Brown knew exactly what she was doing. Melissa Barrera uh, left all of us disappointed. I'm sorry to say, you know, she did hit her marks, but Nev Campbell makes this work look easy, and that's the issue. You actually, to be a a final girl in a Scream movie, you actually have to be able to play it very seriously while understanding the inherent satirical value. And I don't think Melissa Barrera, actually, Jenna Ortega really did get it. Jenna Ortega got, she really understood what Drew Barrymore did and she knew how to play with that. Melissa Barrera, I think, was too literalistic and it was too, it was too overtly dramatic. That said, Nevin Courtney, I've never been happier in my life to see you know see two women. Um, and they are allowing the Sydney characters, the ultimate trauma survivor to evolve. Um, the experience was that as you heard from last week, we did decide to go at the Alamo Draft House. You know how I hate going to that part of Brooklyn, but I thought, listen, it's opening night, we'll be with the fans. Okay. Not to be a snob, but I'm from Texas, where the Alamo Drafthouse originated, and the Alamo Drafthouse there at least used to be really fucking cool, okay? Uh, My friend Meg and I, in 2014, went to a banned film screening of Todd Haynes' um, Superstar the Karen Carpenter story, which is, uh, you legally are not allowed to view it because obviously Richie Carpenter, that closeted homosexual, had the movie banned. Um, And I think it only exists at MoMA. So it was just like, we went, they had these really good cookie milkshakes. It was just iconic, right? The Alamo Drafthouse in Brooklyn is uh, twice the price for a third of the quality. It's just, I was shocked by the menu. All of us ordered what I would describe as laser tag or bar mitzvah party, kids table food. Layla got chicken tenders. I got a pizza. Brian Bahi got a burger. Okay, this is not... Um, fine dining. Let's just say that. Okay. The Alamo's shtick is, this is a no phone, no talking zone. We take it very seriously. You'll be kicked out at the first offense. Okay. Well, the group next to me did not really give a shit about that. The women next to me were in open conversation. Uh, The woman next to me had her phone on the whole time, which is to say she was on Google Maps and Instagram stories throughout the movie. I asked her to turn it off, she gave me the death eye, um, and then proceeded to say, I wanna take a picture of my frozen margarita, and if anyone wants to fight, I will. Um, She took flash photography during the film of the margarita. I went to complain to management, nothing happened. Needless to say, I am excited to get out of Brooklyn at the very first opportunity. I just don't think, I don't think it's my calling to be here. Melissa Rich and I watched Scream 3, you know, Parker Posey gives us one of the great great performances of all time. Okay, um, let's talk about The Lost Daughter. Um, I was overall pleased with it. Um, you know, nothing is going to compare to My Brilliant Friend in terms of adaptations. I just think My Brilliant Friend is the probably the best adaptation ever made. Um, but I will say that if you are a Taurus or someone invested in Taurian themes... The lost daughter is kind of for you the lost daughter is very much about like i want my freedom and i'm going to enjoy it and about the complications of that about like what does it mean especially for a woman or a mother to just like want something that's just her own and to not want to sacrifice her selfhood um you know olivia coleman in the movie theater is me at the Alma Draft House, Olivia Coleman eating the ice cream is me two hours ago spending ten dollars for a cone at Italy, even though I allegedly have cast off dairy products. Um, sex in the City. If I was just on Melissa Rich's Spotify only sex uh, Spotify only podcast, Chic NYC, which uh, she is recapping, and just like that, I had a great time. We talked about the latest episode. You know, I just want to say, Jonathan Groff looks great. I love the man, and I honestly, seeing him in The Matrix and Sex in the City, I'm delighted. I could listen to that man um, read obituaries. I mean, he just has this thing, okay? Um, Search party ended. I overall enjoyed the season. I think they took the last few episodes a little too far. And it. I think where Search Party actually needed to go was the way Enlightened ended. Enlightened ended really unresolved, but I think they played to that strength of this kind of ambivalent, this deep, profound ambivalence in the main character of getting everything she wanted and feeling nothing. And I also you know getting on is i think one of the best shows and getting on similarly has an apocalyptic ending but it really they just nail it um and and you know hold on let me find that quote from getting on um um and anyways i just felt with with what's it called um search party that it got a little bit too too big which is okay and that's their prerogative um but you know okay um why why is this quote not anywhere um getting on hbo there is no justice in this world um all right anyways whatever okay by the way speaking of laser tag Spa Castle in Queens. Busted, busted, busted. I do not want to see caution tape in the spa. Caution tape around a jacuzzi. Dark. Um, Spa Castle has devolved. It is a Chelsea bathhouse. Fine. And uh, the mixed areas are, uh, you know, a plague zone for the straight. so, you know, the zombies of Search Party do very well there. Um, Spa Castle, the, the conversation, let me just say the conversations let, left a lot to be lacking. And uh, the sauna was, the sauna reminded me, the sauna is tiny and it is packed with men touching themselves there's not a lot of room for uh, cruising or mystery or discovery. It's literally. It reminds me of the scene. I know Lulu is listening. It reminds me of the scene in *I Am Legend* when he finds the you know the hive of vampires and they are all um, just kind of standing there. Not ideal. Um, yeah, I met a guy who had a, a Mars tattoo and a Taurus tattoo. And I said, are you Mars and Taurus? And he said, no, this is the symbol for male, the Mars symbol. I said, yeah, it's the symbol for Mars, the planet. He didn't know that. Okay. You know, we could have talked about how Madonna's a Mars and Taurus, but that's gone. Um, I gotta say, I'm reading Jane Eyre, thanks to Henry Kapersky. I've never read it before. I can't put it down. I was up from 3am to 6am reading it. I think we can all agree... And I'll have more to say as I continue, but we can all agree that Jane Eyre is likely an Aries. Mr. Rochester is a Cancer. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but we can definitely all agree that Mr. Rochester is hot. Um, I love the book. It is truly, I, I think she's an Aries. She's just like, I want to go against the world, but I also want to fit in. Hello. Um, Euphoria is gorgeous. Actually, Alexa Demi would have maybe done better than Melissa Barrera in The New Scream. Am I allowed to say that? Um, I'm a little... The Rue character... You know, Neptune's leaving Pisces in about two years. I don't really know how much longer we're going to be, like, thrilled by the, like, romantic alcoholic or the romantic addict. I kind of need the Rue character to start, like, doing something. um, Just because it's, like, you know, get a job girl by the way, that's how I feel with Carrie Bradshaw. Get a job, own a business, suck a dick okay um yes, uh there I don't even know what to say about this. There was a hostage situation in a Texas synagogue this weekend. I really I don't even know what to say besides I don't know what to think or feel besides. This is fucked up and surreal, and that's kind of all I that I... I'm incapable of having a take. Um, I don't even know what I... There's nothing to even tell people. I'm not going to be someone who's like, you need to take action this way, this way, this way, against anti-Semitism. I know I should be. I just... I don't even know what action to take is. It's so fucked up and weird and pervasive and all i can say is that like there is a truth of existence that i think all jews know in their bones and i think other people and other oppressed um you know social categories and minorities know this and i just think like this is the truth i don't really know like what what the response is Or what the answer to it, to it is and, and maybe I will I know there are other people Who have found really productive Constructive ways to respond To this sort of thing I just know like I read Dara Horn's People Love Dead Jews And it rocked me to my core And I just know like I'm Jewish and I'm proud And you know For all the ways this is fucked up I'm Israeli and I'm proud And that's the reality That's what I can say right now and I'm really glad those people are alive. Like, it, I'm really sad and ashamed that that's a missed, that that that, that could, could have gotten so close. Um, I don't really, you know, I come from Houston, Texas, where the synagogues would literally get into deadlocked, uh, the synagogue boards would get into deadlocked arguments about should synagogue be an open carry space, which I think is ridiculous. So I just don't, I don't really know how to respond to this. Thank you for letting me ramble about it, though. Okay. Lastly, and you know, if you're here, you know I was going to talk about this. New York Magazine. Interview with the alleged vampire. Joss Whedon, Hollywood's fallen feminist nerd king, struggles to explain himself. So... I thought the article was very well done. I think that... Who wrote this? Is this Lila Shapiro? Yeah. I think Lila Shapiro did a very, very good job of untangling some things. The article gives us the awareness that this is not necessarily an evil mastermind. This is not necessarily a Matt Lauer or a Harvey Weinstein. This is a loser who never got laid until he went to film school, after which point it was open season and he developed an ego. Um, this is a showrunner who created, you know, one of the greatest relics of, of c- culture ever at the turn of the new millennium, um, at the dawn of the internet and fan boards and fan culture, um, who got deified. And I think the article does a really good job of saying, this guy's an asshole. Probably a bit of a scumbag, but the question we really need to be asking is, you know, is it his behavior or is it the false deification? Is it the pedestalization that's the problem? Um, you know, I'm of a firm belief that something that's been rendered quote unquote problematic um, based on the cr- the creator, I don't really think you can separate. I, I do think you can separate, you know. You watching Buffy or Angel or Dollhouse or The Nevers, whatever, and or Toy Story, which he wrote, you know, and having your relationship with it, you being in a discourse around it, that is the reality of that art. And no one can take that away, not even the person who created it. You know, he helped birth something, uh, which was then delivered by great actors and actresses, great co-writers, producers, etc. But um, this isn't his culture, it's your culture. However, you get to disentangle that any way you want. You know what I mean? I just don't think that's something you can enforce. But I did want to read this really incredible moment of delusion um, from... From uh, the piece, this is just incredible. And and let's remember, Gal Gadot, and it's, I'm sorry, I have to take Israeli privilege here. It's pronounced Gadot. Gal Gadot is a Taurus. And I just think the world needs to be really aware of that. Okay, quote. uh, uh, Gadot didn't care for Whedon's style either. Last year, she told reporters that Whedon threatened her and said he would make her career miserable. Whedon told me he did no such thing. I don't threaten people. Who does that? He concluded she had misunderstood him. Quote, English is not her first language, and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech. Unquote. He recalled arguing over a scene she wanted to cut. He told her jokingly that if she wanted to get rid of it, she would have to tie him to a railroad track and do it over his dead body. Quote, then I was told that I had said something about her dead body and tying her to the railroad track, he said. Godot did not agree with Whedon's version of events. I understood perfectly, she told New York in an email. It's, it's just too good. You know, he is digging his own grave here. Um, you know, I don't think he's irredeemable or reprehensible, but it's in these cases where it's like, girl, maybe don't go up against Gal Gadot, and maybe don't say that Gal Gadot has a problem with the English language. Like, girl you know what I mean um, nevertheless uh, it's, it's a great read. okay I have been talking for so long. I just wanted to say Ruby and I are in week three of our tarot course I really enjoy it I'm just so 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 grateful for it it's I've learned a lot I've grown a lot and I just want to say like Ruby and I have are likely gonna keep cooking so I'm excited to announce whatever's next. Um, thank you for listening. Enjoy Miss Donna Summer and uh, see you on the other side.
1: Are you? Yes, you. I ask, are you, are you, yes, you, you are that star. Coping mechanisms. My new EP, Love Is God, is an eclectic mix of pop music, all inspired by love overcoming dark times. And each song has a feature in a legendary queen in their own right. So the first track is featuring Manila, and it's, uh, the titular track is called Love Is God. It's very disco, Europop, and then uh, the second song features Tammy Brown and that's called Love Still Last and it's like a very throwback 80s Gaga vibe. The third song is Lady Justice which is like a social justice power ballet which, feature, which features Jackie Cox. The fourth song is a club banger called Thrive, which features the legendary Kevin Albian. And the fifth song to wrap it all up is like Island Vibe, totally gives you Bad Bunny and Rihanna. And it features La La Re, and it's called Paradise. So it's like a cool like mix of dope uh different styles of pop music and it's all like fun and and, and it's all about love. Uh, the Love is Guy EP drops January 14th. And uh, so does the music video for the new single, my new single Thrive, which features Kevin Aviance. So the immediate way to get a hold of what's going on is Spotify and iTunes and YouTube and check out all, of the, co- all the awesome content that I'm releasing.
0: Okay, uh, for the final round of the Capricornian tour, of the tour of the strong, of the some of the great uh, immortal divas, you know, Annie Lennox, Sade, FKA Twigs, we have to touch on Donna Summer. To do that, I have recruited someone very special. um, Someone uh, whose grace and presence has always delighted me and someone who really expanded my love of certain elements of the disco genre, specifically the Donna Summer oeuvre, my, my friend, Jess Duggar, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you.
2: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted and grateful. I'm full of gratitude. And full of love for yeah, the Queen of cool Disco, Why yeah. not? Yeah, just kidding, Donna. Uh, <laughs> wow, well, the
0: Winona Wyn- Judd episode. Look forward to season thirteen for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to her any minute now.
2: <laughs> Seriously, delighted to be here and to see your face.
0: Just give us some some introduction to your relationship with music, your relationship with disco, your relationship with the diva, generally.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I... My mom was in the Air Force in the 80s, and she loved Donna Summer and she loved disco, and my Uh, mom is queer, so that's where her and her gay friends went at night, to the disco. to be safe speaking of safe spaces was an actual safe space for them so she she introduced me to disco at like a very young age because she loved Donna Summer so Mm. I grew up listening to her um and I don't know if you remember but my obsession was dim all the lights uh, going into oh, yeah. 2020 and I was listening to it on loop and it was the only thing that soothed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know. There's this forced joy and disco that I really appreciate. That's like, you know what? We're going to have a good time. I don't care yeah. if you feel like you're in the right place for it. It's happening. Um. So that's kind of, that's kind of what keeps me coming back.
0: So I have so many things to address. You just laid out so much. So first of all, you know, not to uh, overanalyze you here, but
2: uh, just,
0: you know, just beyond Donna Summer, a big archetype for you, I think everyone knows this, is Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. And to hear that your mother was in the Air Force, I just immediately, I saw Linda Hamilton in those big fucking sunglasses, you know, going to her bunker in Mexico, getting her shotguns, you know?
2: It runs deep. (laughs) It runs deep. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, um, I mean, in some ways I'm glad Linda Hamilton isn't my mom, but there's Mm -hmm. definitely been a connection between the two for as long as I can remember. And Terminator being one of the first films I watched, even Fuck. though I'm way too young for it. So <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I've had some like deep seated iconography from very young age, like powerful, powerful women. Um,
0: and I do want to say with Donna Summer, and this is why she's a really interesting Capricorn to me. You know, Capricorn is so much about like muscularity and about survival <laughs> and about like rigidity and uh, authority. And, you know, though Donna Summer is the undisputed disco matriarch, there is, she to me is not like soft and flowery. I I think of, there is like a hardness to her and there is like a, it's a little bit um, hard to put into words, but there is this like, I'm doing this, you're not going to, there's this strength to push forward and to like, she made disco a thing. And when disco fell, she kept going, you know, there's this thing of like, I'm pushing this forward and I'm doing this. How does this feel to you?
2: It feels good. A side note, my mom is a Capricorn, (laughs) which feels like it's connected. I feel Mm. some connection happening. Right. Uh, And I think you're totally right. Like she has a rawness and a vulnerability, but I think that there's some some yeah there's like this this hardness to her uh voice that mm-hmm. is so purposeful like her performance is so purposeful and there's no quirk necessarily now unless we're talking yes. about I argue the queen of quirk,
0: <laughs> Aunt Una, on family matters. Yeah, kind of iconic quirk queen. Maybe you know one of our one of our original Twee characters, that Aunt Una. Uh,
2: <laughs> and a big thing for body positivity, might I add? One
0: yeah,
2: storylines ever for Aunt. Um, a- yeah, you
0: know it's interesting when you think I'm just thinking a lot about FKA Twigs mm. and about Annie Lennox hmm. and. AK Twigs, and Annie Lennox each work in this very technical field of music. Uh, it's very much about like these new technologies and new sounds. Um, and then they interface that with these kind of classical feminine voices. And these like these, it, it's, there's this beautiful interplay of um, hard and soft. And I do think we get that with Donna Summer too. We get the industrial giorgio Moroder, yes. you know pounding disco and then we get the lilting um high 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 femme vocals yes and we get the liberation and joy of disco and lyrics of heartbreak like i, I just think there's something so interesting there about those juxtapositions
2: i love too that her her most famous songs like many of them are so highly sexual but there's no coyness mm. in them they're like blatantly sexual like she's not hiding or making like the listener guess as to what she's singing about she's like the song's about fucking and it's about dancing first but ultimately mm. it's about it's about sex it's about my sex i find yeah. that
0: like
2: super empowering
0: yeah, no, I love that. It's not twee, it's not quirky, it's not coy. Um, it's not like, and it's also not, you know, when we get into the Aquarians soon, uh, and and Jess, of course, is one of the great Aquarians, you know, of the modern age, um, when we get into the Aquarians, we see a little bit more of a subversion. We see a little more of like, you know, Julia Fox is an Aquarius. We talk about uh, Paris Hilton's an Aquarius. There's this thing of like, I'm in the system. I'm kind of playing with the system. Like I'm kind of fucking with things. Um, with this Capricorn thing, it's like, no, like, let's hit it. Like, I want to fucking pound this. And yeah, with hot girls, with bad stuff, what hot girls and bad stuff. There's something there. Bad girls, hot stuff, feel love. Um, she's like, I'm going to do this directly. Like, let's just get you there. Like, I'm not here to, like, beat around the bush. Like, let's fucking deliver this, you know?
2: Well, and Love to Love You was her idea that she presented to Giorgio. And it's like the sex noises. You're like, oh, okay. This is like a little sample. It's like, no, it's going to go on for a few (laughs) So buckle in. Buckle in. Yeah, and... And Because and, th- that, that,
0: and that song had a lot of controversy and, and she was like, no, it's going to work. And it did.
2: And gosh, it does. Yeah. I feel like maybe the more Aquarian side of that is like, Oh, Oh, wouldn't you like to know? And with Donna. Mm. Yeah. It's like, no, this is it. This is, you know, you know, I know. you." Know. <laughs> does that, does that make sense? read. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, So let's just jump into her chart. So let's just lay this out just so you can see it. Um, Donna. Yeah, Donna, to be clear, Donna's got a whopping five planets in Capricorn. So this is really a powerhouse we're dealing with. And to add to that, Donna is a Virgo rising. Mm, So we're really in yeah we're really an earth sign heavy heavy you know strength and toughness and you know like just to lay this out virgo is very much what is my moment where do i arrive and her capricorn is all in her fifth house of creative identity so Mm. for donna it's really important this sense of i am not just a disco queen i am doing this certain thing at this certain moment for this certain reason this is my identity this is my music i am not just going to be another one and i am choosing to strike out right now i am choosing to reinvent myself right now you know that virgo rising i always say it's about choosing your moment choosing you know when to come out from behind the wings donna summer is has really this person of um, I am declaring my creative identity, you know, right. uh, Donna Summer, she does collaborate with Giorgio Moroder, but I think she retains something of herself where it's not like, oh, Giorgio Moroder and hit one of his many sirens. Um, you know, she's, I'm just going to say this. She's not a Yvonne Element, Okay. She's really like, no, I am not like the voice. I am The self, the body, the identity. How does that feel to you?
2: It feels good. And I mean, I would imagine being in the studio with her. I I mean, well, I can only imagine that it was very, I imagine she really knew what she wanted and Mm. mathematically pursued getting the sound she wanted and you can hear it because there is like a kind of a math to disco where it's yes. like follow this formula and um you know like rhythmically it feels mathematical and continuous almost ambient in its repetition you know mm-hmm. like always a build but like it's easy for djs to mix one one disco song into the other Well, listen, I don't have my freaking DJ boards over here, so I don't know if it's easy for them. No,
0: I want to say I really like what you're saying, and I think this is playing into something really important. Um, Donna Summer was born with Saturn on her ascendant, which is to say, the moment Donna Summer was born, she looked up at the sky, and what planet was just fucking hanging there? Saturn. (laughs) you know, the master, the dominator. Uh, Okay, and Saturn's in Virgo, it's on her ascendant. So I was like, God, what does that mean? And you know, Saturn on your ascendant, Donna Summer is the singer of She Works Hard for the Money. So we know this is definitely a life dedicated to taking responsibility, working hard. Okay, but what you just said, I think was so perfect, which is. You can think of the 70s in two ways. You can definitely think of, um, you know, a lot of that kind of folky hippie music, which is very loose and flowy. But then, yes, when we think about the work of Giorgio Moroder, when we think about disco, it is extremely calculated and like sonically composed and what she does, especially if you look, listen to a song like I Feel Love, which may be the greatest song of all time, and it's just like, how is this happening? It is, it has to be perfect. And I love this idea of Virgo, the sign of perfection, and Saturn, the sign of like structure. This sense of hyper, hyper focus and detail and clarity. I, I love that, that point you made, Jess.
2: Well, yeah, right. It's not like she's going to be in a jam band, you know? <laughs> she's, not, she's not gonna. She's not. I I imagine she's not. She was not one of those artists. It's like you know what? We'll start here, and we're just gonna see what happens, baby. Let you know. It seemed, and, and just reading a little more about her, it seemed like she, she had. I wonder if she just knew her path as soon as she, as soon as she was cognitively aware of like her her skill level you know
0: that's so interesting to me you know and when you look at even like the Bee Gees it's like uh, (laughs) I think two of the fucking Bee Gee boys are Capricorns let me make some phone calls about that I think Maurice I think Morris and Robin Morris the hot one and Robin are both Capricorns but there's this I just think it's really interesting which is like yeah, to be able to do those things with your voice, you can't just, like, show up and be like, I wonder if I have a gift. Like, it has to be... You have to have fucking pounded it in. You know, you have to have drilled that in. And with Donna, there is that thing of, like, I'm giving you freedom, but it comes from rigor.
2: Right. Did you, um, read, yeah. did you read that she was in a German adaptation of the musical Hair when she was in Munich, like beginning her music career. (laughs) Speaking of like the intersection of Capricorn (laughs) and Aquarius, like I I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be in the audience for a 1968 production of Hair in Munich.
0: In Munich. (laughs) With and then see her come out and be like, "Okay, who the fuck is that?" You know, because <laughs> she's not learning. She's and her is she doing it in German? Like
1: we
2: yeah. don't know. We don't know. Apparently, she's still like extreme. I mean, internationally, of course, she's famous, but there, she's 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 the queen of disco there too. Uh,
0: yes, I I do love that. I do. <clears throat> you know, I, I do want to say that actually. Um, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I, I do want to say, Donna Summer is a Venus in Sag. Um, Venus in Sag. We're talking about, as I say, the Parker Posey placement. Mm. Um, but let's let's look at FK Twigs, and I, I have a feeling about Zoe Kravitz too. Mm. But um, you know, Venus in Sag is about um, about. Sagittarius traveling new frontiers going new places venus is that sense of artistry and you know she has that in her fourth house of home. Uh, I just think that there's this sense of like i'm too special for the world I grew up in I want to go out and like explore the world usually when you see sag in the fourth house you get a sense of that of like it's a bit of an orphan placement it's a bit of like. I need to, it's a little bit of a, a Jane Eyre, like let me out into the world, I wanna go places. And with her Venus there, there's just this sense of, yeah, I'm going to Paris where I'm gonna meet Giorgio Moroder and we're going to, you know, change the world. Um, and this sense of just kind of an open world and an open discovery. And and I can see Europe being this exciting place for her. Um, oh wow, neither FK twigs nor Zoe Kravitz. That's interesting. Okay. Um, But the other thing that I want to say about about Sagittarius is that during the 70s, uh, from 1970 to 1984, Neptune was in Sagittarius. So Neptune is the planet of dreams, fantasy, um, intoxication, escapism. And that was in Sag. Sag is this sign of kind of pushing the boundaries, expansion, you know, uh, uh, wildness, bohemianism frivolity. And there is just this sense of this person who grew up in the States, going to Europe and discovering a new scene and getting to kind of discover her sound there and then bring it back that I think is very powerful and goes really well. If you think of Neptune and Sag as ruling the disco years, that really makes sense to me. Um, you it's know. like,
2: I'm going to get out of this town and I'll be back. And Ooh. I don't even know what's in store. Okay, Saturday bye.
0: Night Fever. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and if we think about Neptune and Capricorn, we're thinking about the later 80s. It's a little bit more, it's way more industrial. Um, It's way more like, you know, you're getting, we're seeing the birth of rap. It's much more about music. That's kind of like fighting the power or whatever, but Neptune and Sag to me is so disco of like, I want to go further. I want to go further. I want to go further. And Donna's music has that thing of like, yeah. the songs just escalate and escalate and escalate.
2: Right. It's like, it, it does feel like, Oh, how far is she going to take this? And <sighs> then
0: that
2: so, good. Yeah, so exciting it's, it's so yeah. exciting and it's like I feel like her music too is it's almost like she pushes it so far but every it, it, she has she's one of those voices that you can trust too
1: yeah.
2: you know where she's so It feels so, um, there's like a great balance between danger and safety in her, just like her vocal quality and, and the, the music production of her like greatest hits where it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Are we all going to fuck? Yeah, we're fucking. And we're, you know, it's like, uh, at the same time, you know,
0: I love you know Jess. thank you for saying that um because virgo is virgo virgo rising is the virgin archetype capricorn is really like masculine but capricorn cancer deals with the masculine feminine and there's a lot with her you know you and i can listen to dim all the lights which is so just like rough you know it is very sarah connor And then you can listen to Love to Love You Baby, which is so like, I am, I am cresting an orgasm right now. (laughs) And like, I am a just vaginal, um, you know, pulsing awakening. And I just love, you know, I, I love that, that interplay. I think that that makes something indelible happen. You know, that earth to me is what makes something interesting happen on the mask fan. what you just said about danger safety i think that's so present
2: yeah she is and she um there's no fear you know like i, w- I was just watching uh videos in her later years of her singing <laughs> and there's like still no fear i mean it's it's still so strong uh um, yeah And the vocal quality is still so purposeful. There's no uh, lilting. There's no relying on any laurels. There's like, it's such a a foundation in her performance, which is where I think that like, oh man, she's got us. And she really did. I mean, I feel like she carried a generation of music and- uh, Uh, uh
0: I in, love that in
2: a pioneer way, not just, I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to say not just a pop star way because I have such respect for what it means to be an iconic and incredible pop star exclusively. But I mean, just as like a, as like um, you know, a mu- from a music production side, she's incredible. And she was so collaborative and in, in all of her, her songs. You know,
0: uh, 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 you're, you know, you are, God, we got to have you back on this show. I mean, you're, you're really just, you're, you're feeding it to me because I don't know. There's this tradition with Capricorns of these black women who are just like, I'm going to keep fucking going, you know, and there are so many disco Disco, generally, you know the the so so called backlash against disco, which I think is very well um, described in the Bee Gees documentary, which was I I think one of the better documentaries ever. But like, um, oh
2: write that down on a post. It's then. on
0: HBO. Yeah. I am telling you, you pour yourself a bath and just you give yourself a night, and you will be thrilled. But we uh, know that a lot of the backlash to disco was. Homophobic and it was racist. You know, we know that um, the the so called like reclamation that happened was really this idea that there's all this music made by the black community coming out of the black community and very much the queer black community that got written off, and they're having these record burnings, and a lot of these stars and these divas and these women basically just got jettisoned, and. Donna Summer to me represents this Capricornian archetype of like, I would say actually Donna Summer and Grace Jones. Grace Jones had started in disco, but she quickly was like, this isn't going to work. I'm going to shift into like rock. I'm getting out of here. It could be more of a multi-multi hyphenate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, but I'm not going down. And Donna Summer, who has five planets in Capricorn, was just like, you are not taking me down. Like I am not a part of any era. I am Donna Summer, and she carried disco while while really carrying herself. I think you know. Um, I I want to point out with Donna Summer. Donna Summer was born with Uranus in Gemini, and we've talked about this a lot. But when you're in your late 30s, 40s, Uranus makes it halfway through your chart, so. Britney Spears will be heading into this pretty soon. This is called a Uranus opposition. This is a really exciting, like, quote, midlife crisis. But if it's not a midlife crisis, it's usually like a reinvention. So I just wanted to point out that Donna Summer's Uranus opposition was largely in the 80s. Yeah. And with her, the 80s was this really interesting time. And, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. But to me, the 80s was this time where she was, like, really fucking pushing upstream, where she she's like she's the first black woman to be nominated for vma she's really like she's switching gears we know she's shifting more into acting and she's really like pushing 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 like she isn't being carried with this movement as much anymore and she's having to like direct the narrative how do you feel about that
2: well i feel like you know she probably had so many odds stacked against her. And if she hadn't yeah. built such a strong foundation in the seventies, you know, she probably, I, I feel like she knew without question that she was going to continue working hard, whether she had a hundred million to like top 10 hits, whatever, I don't know what the number is. It's like a bunch yeah. um, or not, that uh, the the climb would be uphill. For her, and perhaps welcomed that with all with 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 how Capricorn she really is. Yeah, that yeah, in my life they love they love an uphill climb. It is their truth.
0: I love that um, Capricorn is what we call a cardinal sign. Mm-hmm. So signs which start the season. So we're talking about Capricorn starts the winter um aries starts the spring uh libra starts the the fall cancer starts the summer these are the cardinal signs uh you know jess and i have talked about this but all the james hamilton not james hamilton the the linda hamilton
2: linda i'm sorry linda hamilton or james cameron you were gonna say
0: James Cameron, thank you. All the James Cameron women are Libras. Uh, We have Linda Hamilton, Sigourney Weaver, and Kate Winslet. Libra, to me, Cancer, Aries, Capricorn, they do need a fight. They do need to be bursting through a wall. Their energy is initiatory. So they do need to be clobbering something. Um, They're not really good with, you know... Taurus and Aquarius, baby, which you're talking to a Taurus and Aquarius right now, we're just here to, like, be the vibe. We're here to just embody, like, Jess is Aquarius, Jess is that, you know, the alien of the wintertime, let her be that. But with a Capricorn who's having her Uranus opposition in Sagittarius, there is just this sense of, like, I need to be fucking breaking through a record you know we're getting that first vma i i don't know did you read this in her wikipedia jess about how she and her husband were in talks to do a sitcom based on their lives and this is the network wanted to change the premise um uh and and this is what he said he said because we are an interracial couple they didn't want us to be married anymore on the show so it's like really interesting where it's like Donna Summer in fucking Reagan's America just like attack, attack, attack. And like, you're right. I do think for Capricorn, like they need, they need to be fighting the man, you know?
2: Right. And it's like, what, what is the next level we can take this to? Like, again, that theme of Mm. like, how far can I push, push, push? Yes. Yes. Um, And she only got better. I didn't know that about that potential show for her and her husband, but, oh my (laughs) God. It's like, why did, why didn't I just stay in damn, damn Munich? Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, but I'm glad you brought up like the Capricorn thing because it's like, there's a world where she could just stay in, in the fantasy forever and in the orgasm forever. But I think for her, it was about like, no, we need to keep pushing. And it's interesting because when the world was into disco, the world was into liberation because disco is about liberation. But then when the world changed, you know, liberation then becomes kind of counter counter counter-cultural again, you know?
2: Right. And it's like into these, like, very kind of like white (laughs) grunge. Yes. (laughs) Ideas. Um, I mean, also some of which, you know, very good.
0: (laughs) But right, but we're also also, talking about like decline of Western civilization, part two. We're talking about like metal, and we're talking about like the end. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I all I can all I keep thinking about is what disco meant to, probably meant. I can only imagine it meant (laughs) to. To people in the 70s, uh, people who are black, people of color, gay people. I only know from the stories my mom has told me, which, gosh, I keep, I keep bringing her up. It's like I'm freaking obsessed with her, right? Yeah, but
0: there's something hot about, like, the girls on the Air Force Base are going out and Donna Summer's playing, you know?
2: Yeah. And it wasn't just the girls. It was like anybody. I mean, at that time you went into the Air Force as if it was the Peace Corps. So it was like <laughs> freaks and geeks vibes, um, yes. like queers. I don't know where else to go. I don't want, I need to get out of my house for safety reasons. Like yes. I need to be shipped off. I don't want to join the army because I don't want to die. Let me go do the Air Force. So it was actually like it was like where everybody who needed a safe place went in Mm. the eighties and early nineties. Um, and, and, you know, it was like the Chippendales era. You go to Chippendales at night, you know, it was like, it was like, there was the club was not, it was, I mean, yeah, it was for drugs and sex, but it was also to be safe with other people who wanted to be safe.
0: Hmm. I didn't and know that. Like that's so interesting. Her,
2: her, well, you know, maybe my mom really romanticized it, but that's the, you know, as a gay lady who had who had to figure her own shit out and was sent to the doctor, you know, when she came out. It, it seems like, and, and I've met some of her friends from the Air Force, other queer people. And it's like, you no, know, you you trained all day and then you went out to the disco at night. And finger on the trigger, Donna Summer plays, and you're like, damn, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> Imagine? Uh,
0: you know, there's something so interesting about. Well, listen, everything you just said was interesting, but that generation came out of the baby boom, and I think they had these myths of we're looking at the Neptune and Libra, you know, Neptune is this fantasy, Libra is this ideal of perfection and harmony and happy marriages, you know, there's this sense of a fantasy that wasn't fulfilled, and Disco then kind of reclaimed that, which is like, you know, this fantasy you guys grew up in of perfect, happy suburban marriages wasn't real, and it wasn't safe, but disco is the fantasy of love which is neptune and libra you know and it's it's the the ecstasy of love um and that generation was very much um your mom i think i I might be wrong about your mom's your mom's years but your mom but certainly donna summer was pluto and leo pluto is death leo is the ego i think there was just this sense of like I grew up in this this romantic ideal I was raised after the war I can't you know these baby boomers who grew up in this like anything's possible abundance is possible, you can have anything and they knew that wasn't true. But disco maybe gave a different way of seeing that of well, I could it could be true just not in this like materialistic suburban way you know.
2: Right. It's like, oh my God, that all possibility I ever thought for and again I'm I'm again I'm guessing at experiences, <laughs> but it's like it's like I can only imagine that po- the idea of possibility felt like it they were they it was taken away. And you know, yeah. when you hear certain songs, it's like, oh my God, anything is possible and you're just walking up the street. <laughs> I feel like that's disco. I feel like that's Donna Summer, where it's Oof. like, dim all the lights, sweet darling, because tonight is all the way, baby. And you're like, yeah, yeah, tonight it is all the way. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it brings it, 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 it brings back a sense of possibility that maybe for a lot of people had been taken away during that time.
0: I love that. I actually just want to read this, you know, from dim all the lights with Jess, which just got me addicted to. We have love, just don't come easy. No, it seldom does. When you find the perfect love, let it fill you up. You know, and that's such a beautiful Capricorn is saying like, you know, love, don't just come easy. You know, life is hard. Things are rough. And then we have the Libra Neptune saying, but it does exist. You know, you can't, it's there. It's, it's real. It's just not. This isn't the Dua Lipa universe where like you can all, you know, the it's always fantastical. This is the Donna Summer universe, which is like you're gonna have to like scrape and claw. But there are these nights, exactly, and then we can finally turn up the old Victrola
2: (laughs) and really get to tooth stepping over here. Yeah. (laughs) Um. This is so I wanted, romantic. I didn't realize how romantic this would be. I I mean, maybe it's because I'm PMSing or maybe it's because it's I mean, it's down the summer. So,
0: no, you're I didn't either and like I wanted to bring up Loves Unkind because I'd never heard Loves Unkind until the pandemic. Okay. Um and Tyler Ashley got me addicted and this is also like I just think it's a profoundly devastating song, um, Mm. which is just, it's about like a schoolgirl who falls in love and who just gets, um, who just gets crushed. It's, uh, he got, he's got a crush on my best friend, but she don't care because she loves someone else. And I'm standing on the outside, know the inside where I want to be. Love's unkind. And it's like, it's such a beautiful catchy song and it's just like about the fantasy of love and it's also about like you're not always going to get it.
2: Right and like maybe it's maybe it's better if you don't, you know. Oof. Like it's okay to be it's okay to be on the outside looking in yeah she really you know it's like the the music her music is not fluffy even like love to love you it almost has like a fluffy effervescent quality but it's like no it's yeah so real
0: yeah um yeah oof it is so real yeah it's not just like effluvius there is a grounding um which to me is the is the virgo um Mm -hmm. i i did forget to say i i also was surprised about the dim all the lights thing um she had she wrote dim all the lights on her own and she was like i want this to be a number one hit i wrote it and apparently this the record label kind of buried it with no more tears enough is enough and she basically like left the label after that uh, and joined up with David Geffen. I thought that was really interesting. And that like speaks to, that speaks to a lot, frankly, which is like Dim All the Lights being a truly Donna Summer song. And it speaks to this Capricornian thing of like, you're undervaluing me. You're not seeing me as as an individual of, you know, Capricorn in the fifth house of creative expression. There's a lot of elements at play in that story.
2: Yeah, and also like, again, being unafraid to just, pack up and go, go where, where it'll be more productive, you know?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank God Um, she
2: did. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We were talking about Dolly Parton in the last ish episode and you know, Dolly Parton, Elvis wanted to buy, I will always love you. He wanted to do that song. And she was like, "No, I don't think so." You know, and he was like, "Um, I'm Elvis." Like, "Hey," like, what do you and no, right? And she was like, "I think like 30 years from now, Whitney Houston's gonna want it." You know what I mean? And there's just this sense of like, that that to me is very Capricorn. It's very Virgo. Any Earth sign towards Virgo, Capricorn—is dealing with questions of self-worth. And Donna Summer to say like, "I." Wrote dim all the lights and I'm Donna Summer. And if you don't appreciate that, David Geffen will is like, you know, that's pretty, pretty strong.
2: Okay. Absolute confidence. It's like <laughs> the odds. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we all trust our premonitions so strongly. <laughs>
0: God damn. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. maybe we all be able to absorb any losses as Marianne Williamson says.
2: Oh, Um, right. Yeah. Absorb, absorb the losses.
0: Sure. What other, you know, chestnuts, songs, events, eras. Oh, we should talk about Aunt Una. Um, Yeah. So Donna Summer, when, when was Family Matters?
2: So Family Matters, I mean, it was on in the (laughs) nineties, right? I, I forget, I remember seeing aunt una as a kid on the show and just cackling and not realizing it was donna summer like i didn't put so bizarre and she's so so good in it and of course it's like it's like a you know an ugly duckling storyline except at the end they switch it so that uh so that she's perfect just the way she is basically and she finds love by being just just you know herself as opposed to um being like some knockout because of some steve urkel science where he like decompress or compresses her fat cells or something it, yeah. it was, i, I want to say it's later in in family it's matters like the kind of late kind of 90s yeah little, it's, it's a little intricate i i
0: see what you mean um But it is like, uh, (laughs) it's Donna Summer and Barbara Streisand uh, it's, you know, they both do enough is enough. And then you're looking at a movie, you know, all of Barbara's movies are about physical beauty and attraction, you know, and we're talking about the nineties, Barbara, we're talking about the mirror has two faces, which is one of the most bizarre makeover montages ever. And um <clears throat> we're talking about the Pluto and Leo generation
2: I'm gonna write that down to watch
0: I mean that's that one I'm like you'll love it but I am enter at your own risk okay it okay. is the Bee Gees I'm like give that a real award Mirror has two faces I'm like I love every minute of this this is completely psychotic um, but Donna and Barbara we're talking Capricorn Taurus we're talking collaborators on enough is not enough i'm just bringing them up because they're both in the pluto in leo generation and they're and there's just something really interesting about leo which is so much about the presentation and about how am i being seen am i being loved um and bringing that to this really really literal place and you know Donna Summer singing a song like loves unkind Um, And singing these songs about not being chosen, about the tragedy, about, you know, suffering. Barbra Streisand as well. And then they both play these really bizarre roles in the late 90s. Aunt Una, it is ultimately like, yes, I think it is like a positive story. It's weird to look back on and be like, okay, so she's in kind of a fat suit, kind of like, you know, which go off. But I just think there's something really interesting about i I think pluto and leo it's like i'm gonna bring these issues of myself and how i see myself in the mirror and how i want to be seen to a very literal level and then i'm going to dismantle it you know this is not very academic this is very like on the surface and you kind of need these queens to do that you know
2: yeah right it's like less about family matters the show and more about watching donna summer use the the vehicle of family matters to like just explore some insecurities she has (laughs) (laughs) just kind of like work some stuff out um and ultimately still she's still playing she's aunt aunt una as donna summers not not the other way around
0: Yes, 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 I agree about that. It is, it is definitely Aunt Una, like, it, right, right, right. It is Aunt Una through the prism of the great diva Donna Summer. Yes. Um, <clears throat> are there any other eras or songs that you want to talk about?
2: I mean, Finger on the Trigger, have you heard it? It's no. like totally no. panic. <laughs> Uh, uh, totally manic, wow. but also it's like manic, but grounded. And it's like, it's like about, um, uh, it's literal. It's about being turned on, uh, in my estimation of the song wow. and it's like very fast paced from the start. And it's again, just like this, this wonderful balance between, between um, mania and groundedness, and it's one of my absolute faves. I listen to it when I'm when I'm running. Uh, it's it's a good one to listen to when you like need to do some vigorous cleaning.
0: Yes, when you're okay. like,
2: listen, I got 40 minutes, and I got to do <laughs> kitchen and the bathroom, and then I got to be out the door. All right. So you put, you put it, you know, and it's not, you don't put it on your headphones, you play it on the Bluetooth, just really you know, your space.
0: I saw Carly Rae Jepsen, not, I'm sorry to take this here, but I did see Carly (laughs) Rae Jepsen at the New Yorker Festival in 2017. And she said, she wants to make music that you clean your apartment to.
2: And I was like, you know
0: what, girl, I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's a very savvy business model, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. I,
0: I do want to say you know with your mom at the Air Force Base we do have a lot of I would say um, Bad Girls, Sunset People, She Works Hard for the Money. We get a lot of these really good songs that go well with the era which is um, I work all day I'm gonna go party at night. Mm-hmm. Um, she does I, I think she does a really nice job with these themes of I'm describing uh you know sunset people I'm describing a milieu I'm describing these this lifestyle which is that's a lot of what disco music does well is the disco lifestyle which is like I am Tony Montero I am that girl at the air force base I'm I'm working hard and I'm partying hard and I think a lot of her music does that really well which does play nicely into her her duality of like I'm a hard worker and I'm the queen of partying. Right, like
2: there's 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 not really a sense of like like the luxury comes from going out. The luxury the luxury mm. doesn't come from like riches or items or whatever. It's definitely yeah. like uh, party music for working people I mean but I feel yes. like yes everybody but spe- like really spoke to people who who needed to and deserved to blow off steam <laughs> which is to me
0: talking about disco liberation it's very utopian because mm-hmm. right now I would say a lot of like if you think about a lot of hip-hop and pop right now sells an impossible fantasy which is i'm so rich i you know i have all these things i can do whatever i want
1: right.
0: donna summer's music is like no matter who you are you're gonna fucking dig yourself up and we are gonna put hot stuff on and you're just gonna ride into town you know yeah
2: it's that idea of like yeah just like that it's it's forced almost but it's like it's like we're in this together <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like she's on your side when you listen to, to Donna's yes. song? Like, yes. Yes. You. And the
0: reason I know that is because through her music, I know she has suffered, you know, through her music, I know she has been the Aunt Una who has not been chosen. And so like Robin, she can take me to that place, because she she understands this is not a hollow ecstasy, this is real. Yeah,
2: and I think she Throughout her career has really taken care of herself and not, you know, not, um, like Dolly not sold herself mm. to the point of untruth, you know, like she hasn't, she hasn't exploited her principles. It doesn't sound like through her no. discography, you know?
0: what other are there any other okay so finger on the trigger are there any other jams you want uh you want our people sure. to know about I think we've we've covered some good ones I
2: feel like we've covered some good ones dim all the lights I know probably <laughs> everybody's like oh yeah yeah I've heard it a million times and I have just you though <laughs> <one> you really, <laughs> really just just listen to it when you think you'd when you think you don't need it.
0: (laughs) You know what dim all the lights makes me think of? In Moonstruck, after Cher has uh, fucked, after Cher has just fully given in to Nicolas Cage and they've gone to the opera and she's walking home the next morning and she's in the fur coat and she's kicking a can and the sun's rising and it's like, you know what, I did it. And I always had this image when you got me into that song whenever I listened to it, I would always imagine you like, on your way home like you know what i lived i tried i did my best like time to take off the jewels get in bed and know who i am you know there's just this strength to it which apparently you symbolize for me
2: i am flattered yeah it's definitely like uh something that i listened to that gave me a sense of well i've done all i can today (laughs) <laughs> and the rest is in god's hands and yeah and then i do take off my jewels you know i yeah. do i take off all my jewels and i thank the queen of disco donna summer for getting me through another day
0: another day uh Jess, darling are there any closing thoughts you have on the subject of the one and only donna summer and on disco um, and on all of it
2: uh, I just, you know, the Capricorn energies are so mm. consistent. I didn't realize before we sat down today the connections between. I didn't think I was going to talk about my mom and what Donna has done for her and her peers. But was,
0: I wow, about that. Yeah. Because
2: when you asked me to do this, it's like, oh yeah, Donna Summer. I really love her. I really love her so much, and why when did it begin (laughs) i went all the way back and i just am saying thank you thank you for for being a safe space
0: Uh, and i say thank you jess just in case you know in the off chance that someone isn't already following you in that just remote impossible right uh you know uh, how can people be accessing you
2: um they can't. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they can't. I <laughs> uh, my Instagram is at Jess Duggar. ones two G's. Mm. Like the family on TLC, but not like
0: the family on TLC.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a famous reality TV show oh, family, the Duggars. So they spell theirs differently. Mine's D-U-G-G-E. Yes,
0: the Duggars.
2: But at the airport, when they're like, are you one of those kids? I do say yes sometimes. And
0: where's her That's, royalty check?
2: Right. That's for another episode. Um, I yeah, don't, that'll be. I don't know if they. I don't know if they deserve an episode. Everyone look
0: forward to episode 631, tw- <laughs> Okay. We'll we'll be covering the Duggar family astrology. Um in but the I'm, year twenty. 20- Jeff Duggar,
2: one S, two G's, E R on the end.
0: Live off love.
2: I love you. Thank you for having me. I love
0: you too. Thank you for this. Before we close her up with a preview of Honey Davenport's new song, Love Is God, featuring Manila Luzon, I just want to say thank you for listening to The Luminaries. For more episodes or to book a private reading with me, David Odyssey, you can always visit davidodyssey.com or david underscore odyssey on Instagram. See you next week. You know I would be delighted if you would leave a rating, review, etc. on iTunes. Thanks, mwah.
1: Buzzing to the bumblebeebee Back of my mind even when I'm on my grind And when I close my eyes to the middle of my dreams So I know these basic boys be mad When I pull up to the club with you But they ain't got nothing Or oh, honey and nah, that's a tea I'm just living my truth There's one thing I'm certain of honey. So it breaks my heart's not safe, but I still treat